I'm going to post this meme over at the website, leaningtowardwisdom.com, but I'll give you the audio version. So this young couple, and they're in a kitchen, and the caption says, HGTV be like, I work part-time at a daycare, and my husband breeds salamanders. Our budget, $1.3 million. And isn't that true? Isn't that exactly how those shows go? Can't tell you how many times I've looked at people and I've thought, wait a minute, wait a minute, what? Your budget's what? I've never had a budget even half that. And then it is funny. It's completely true, though. I mean, some of these some of these occupations, it's like, wait a minute, how are you making that kind of money? Let's talk about money. Let's talk about budgets and lifestyle and all that kind of stuff. It's it's I know it's been a theme here lately, but this is important stuff for all of us. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. My name is Randy Cantrell. I'm your host, coming to you from Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. The website is leaningtowardwisdom.com. Modern tales of an ancient pursuit. And I'm so thankful that you clicked play. Uh, do you do you budget at all? Do you do the Dave Ramsey thing? Isn't it Dave Ramsey that has the you know, multiple envelopes and that's how you manage your cash, put so much cash in an envelope and for some specific thing. And well, when it's gone, it's gone. That's all she wrote. No, I don't do that either. I'm not sure about all that. I quite frankly, I think whatever works for you, whatever gives you some kind of command over your expenses and your income and who cares? I mean, if it works for you, it works for you. But I think that's the rub. The rub is, is it working? Now, for me, I'm going to define, is it working as in, are you, are you drowning? Are you just, is it paycheck to paycheck? Are you, do you feel like you're making headway? You have some kind of a goal, some kind of a thing that you're working toward? And do you have, some kind of milestones, benchmarks, something, some way to measure whether or not you're making progress toward that goal. Now, there are so many people, especially here in America, and I, I presume that this is a global thing. Not only do they not have a clue where they are, they certainly don't have much of a clue where they're headed other than they hope. They hope they're headed in a, in a good place. Uh, we often make the analogy, I, I, have you been to a shopping mall in the last five years? <laughs> I can't remember the last time I went to a shopping mall. I suppose they still exist. I only know of one because we pass it every time we go to church. I guess it's still, well, it's still standing. They haven't torn it down. 
and I do see some of the anchor store signs, but I haven't been inside that thing in forever. But I do have recall when you go in, especially some of the bigger ones, the multi-level ones and stuff, and they've got this big map. So you go in the entrance and there's this huge map behind a plexiglass. And of course the, the number one thing you're looking for is that X because X marks the spot of where you are. You are here is usually what the map will say. And the reason that's important is because until you know where you are, you have no way of navigating to where you want to go. So first things first, you're looking for the X you're looking for. Okay. Where am I right now? And then the second thing you're looking for is the store that you want to go to. And usually they, they are listed alphabetically and they've got some kind of a little legend, you know, that tells you floor or whatever, and they're usually color coded. So you're looking for the store a to Z you find it. And then you're looking for that number on this map. So that's the second thing you're doing. The third thing you're doing then is now you're trying to figure out from where you are to where you want to be. What's the best way to get there. And sometimes you want it to just be a straight line because, well, that's the only place you want to go. Other times there might be some other places you want to hit first. And so you're going to purposefully, well, let's, let's go this way, because if we go this way, we're going to pass this store and this store and this store that we'd kind of like to go to. But if we don't want to, then, okay, we can just take this straighter shot. So those three things are really important. Where are we right now? Where are we starting from? Where do we want to go and how do we want to get there? And I guess part and parcel of that third one of how do we want to go? What route do we want to take? is we have to answer the question, well, why, why do we want to take that route? Well, we want to take that route because it takes us by these other stores, or we want to take that route because it doesn't, it just takes us a straight as quick a shot to get there. I think the same thing happens when it comes to our finances. Disclaimer, I am not a CPA. I'm not an accountant. I'm not an attorney. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not a financial professional. Seek your own help. I'm not giving you any advice. We're just having a conversation here and sharing some insights and some thoughts. Come on. The whole thing here is leaning toward wisdom. We're trying to lean toward wisdom and away from foolishness. Is it foolish to not have a clue where you are, have no idea where you're headed and not a clue how in the world we're going to get there? Yeah, that's foolish. That's, but that typifies how an awful lot of people are living their financial life. Don't have a clue where we're at. Certainly don't have a clue where we want to go. We hope it's better. We want it to be better. We, 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 maybe we're even optimistic. We think it'll be better. Oh no. Well, I'm not doing anything to try to make that happen. Mind you, I just, you know, I'm kind of hoping publishers clearing house will bring me that big oversized check to the door one day, or I hoping somebody will die and leave me in their will maybe or something that's a bad strategy so what are we doing what do you do first things first what do you do to have any awareness of where you're at it's amazing to me really amazing to me the number of people 
who have made or are making big money. And by big money, I don't mean Mark Cuban kind of money. I just mean big money in that they are making, well, let, let's, let's just, we'll call big money. I don't know. What do you want to call big money? What do you, what do you think of when you think of big money? I'm thinking household income, $150,000 a year. You think that's big money? I'm not talking about, you know, lighting the fireplace with $100 bills, kind of big money, but big money in that certainly above average, well above average, $150,000 household income. Yeah, I, 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 I'm going to tell you, I think it's, I think it's big money. Now you may not. And of course, here's the real, well, I gave you the big disclaimer, but here's another disclaimer. And that is it depends. Well, what does it depend on? It depends on how much money you spend. Now, a lot of folks will frame that. Well, it depends on how much money you need. No, it doesn't depend on how much money you need. Do you need $150,000 a year? You may think you do. It may be how much you want, but how much you need yeah, that we usually don't quantify that accurately. We, we use, it's usually the translation usually is, well, this is how much I want. You know, I want to, I want to live like this. I want to live in this kind of a place and I want to have this kind of square footage and I want to have these kinds of things and I want to drive this kind of a car. And then we ascribe to that. That's what we need. Well, no, probably isn't what you need. It's absolutely what you want, but it probably is not what you need. It probably is way higher than what you need, but that's okay. Let's stick with it. So you figure out whatever that is, whatever that lifestyle is that you feel like you need. That's fine. Let's go with it. Let's say that is what you need. Okay. What's that number? And are you making that number? And if you're not making that number, then you've got only two options. That's what's great about all this kind of stuff. Some of this stuff is pretty binary in that you're either doing it or you're not. So if, if you need, if you need to make, I don't pick a number, let's say you need to make $96,000 a year, you need $8,000 a month. Well, if you need $8,000 a month, the next question is, well, are you bringing in $8,000 a month? And let's assume we're talking net. So are you netting $8,000 a month? Are you netting $96,000 a year? And people will, <laughs> I'll have this conversation. People will freak. Well, no, I'm not. Okay. Well, then you've got two options here. Best I can tell you either need to make more money or you need to spend less money. <laughs> but yeah, but we don't want to do either one of those things. Okay. Well then you have a problem. And that problem is it's got a name and the name of that problem is debt. You're going to go into debt. And the name of that problem is you're going to sink. You're, you're going to be broke sooner than later. You're going to be broke. So, and you can do that. It's a perfectly legitimate. How, however foolish outcome. I need $96,000 a year, but I make 80. 
well, you've got a $16,000 hole that you're digging every year. You can keep digging that hole. Just multiply it by however many years you're willing to do that, and that's how deep that hole's going to be. Welcome to the U.S. government. This is the exact same thing, <laughs> the exact same thing they do. So our leaders are showing us how they're showing us how this game should be played. This dig, this whole digging game that we may so enjoy some of us. So where are we starting? Where are we starting? For me, where we start is what's the income? What do the dollars look like? What do the incoming dollars look like? Now, I get that this can be so anti the way so many people look at it. Well, let's start with what we need. No, let's start with how much we're getting. So if I think I need $8,000 a month, but I take a look and I'm like, well, we're bringing in four. Okay, well, you're halfway there. I don't know. I mean, am I crazy? These things just, I know it's common sense and I know that common sense is no longer common sense. It's just not. But if the number's four, then the need better not eclipse four. It just better not. It's just no way. It better be four or below. (laughs) And if you want any kind of margin, any kind of headroom in this thing it better be some number significantly below four and this is where the rub starts i mean so we haven't even gotten to number two or number three in our little plan here we're we're still stuck right here in the gate at number one of where am i because so many of us we take a look at that well we don't take a look at it and the reason we don't take a look at it is we don't want to know Ignorance is bliss and all that. Let me just live in my fantasy land and it'll all be okay. It'll all work out. Well, it could, it could work out. You know, you you could, you could get hit by lightning. Your life could end tomorrow and then you don't have to worry about it. And somebody else is going to have to fret over it. Your wife, your family, somebody's going to have to be responsible for it. Or maybe you're by yourself and you're like, man, they'll have to write it off. Okay. That's. I guess death is a good plan. I guess death is, well, death is the ultimate exit strategy for us all. So there's that. Where do you want to be? Where are you going? What store are you headed to? Let's find that on the map. Well, just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm headed to just stay one step ahead of the creditors. What a terrible existence that is. Screening all the phone calls looking through the peephole of the door every time the doorbell rings. Can you imagine? There are people living that way. I mean, come on, collection agencies abound. They abound. You hear about people all the time that the phone just rings off the wall with, you know, some 'er ne'er-do-well person on the other end of the line that's just threatening you, even though there's all kinds of laws and regulations. But nobody's policing that. You know, you hear stories all the time. You just, all you got to do is just Google this stuff. And some of these things are recorded. I mean, some of these people are just brutal, just brutal, you know, and just berating people and threatening people and doing anything and everything they can, because, well, of course they, 
they make their money by getting a percentage of the amount of money they can collect. So the more pressure they can exert, the more nasty they can be, the more threatening they can be, the more people, I guess, come on. It's like spammers. You know why people do that? They do it because it, it must work at some level. It works. And you can say, well, it doesn't work on me. Well, okay. It may not work on you, but they clearly do it because somebody is taking them up on this stuff. And so you got to believe that these collection agencies that behave with such horrific demeanor, you got to believe, okay, well it, it must work. Otherwise they would do something different. Otherwise they would be notorious for being kind and polite and that obviously doesn't work. So they do what works. They're mean and they're nasty and they're hateful and they're threatening and they scare people. They scare people. And as a result, they get paid a commission for those kinds of tactics. And it's a strategy. You could do that. You could say, yeah, that's where I'm headed. I'm headed to collection agency. Get me to the collection agency store just as quickly as you can. Says nobody says nobody. And yet there's an awful lot of people that end up there. I've said this before. I, I look at these cash checking places where you live, or unless you live in a really small town, I would suspect if you live in any kind of a city at all, you don't have to live in a major Metro area like Dallas, Fort Worth. But if you live in any kind of a city at all, there's a check cashing place. There's a pawn shop. There's a pawn shop in every little town, but there's a check cashing place in any kind of city. And if you're in Dallas, Fort Worth, they're just everywhere. I mean, everywhere. And you realize these are people who are taking a paycheck, a legitimate paycheck from an employer. And they're going to these places, presumably on a Friday payday. And those people are paying them in cash in exchange for that check. And they're taking some percentage. I don't know what it is. I haven't researched it. I'm, I'm guessing, I'm guessing it could be as high as 10%. I don't know that it, it's something it's some percentage. They are sacrificing some percentage of their own income just to convert that paycheck to cash. Are you like me? Do you wonder, do you have a bank account? Cause you could, you could go to your own bank and get that cash for free. Guess what? An awful lot of people don't trust banks. An awful lot of people don't have bank accounts. That's just the reality of it. So like scammers, I'm not saying they're scammers, but I think it's a horrific business personally. So a check cashing place is benefiting from that paranoia or whatever circumstance befell this person to not trust banks and not do business with banks. And you're going to pay a premium for it. And some people do. So right out of the gate, I don't know. Let, let's say it's 5%. Again, I don't know. I'm just dealing with numbers here for illustration's sake. So if I, if I make a hundred dollars, I go in, they give me $95. I've lost five bucks and I haven't done anything but cash my check. And how could that possibly be a recipe for financial success? 
financial success just being defined as keeping your head above water, not falling prey to collection agencies, not falling prey to ridiculously insane interest rates and debt, just making it, even if you're just barely making it, but you're still making it. I mean, you're five points in the hole already, but so many of us don't give enough thought to, we haven't done the work to figure out where we are. We certainly, if we're not willing to figure out where we are, not likely that we're going to put a whole lot of detailed thought into, okay, where do you want to be? Where do you want to head? And that third one, I think for an awful lot of folks is just, it's completely escapable. How are you going to get there? Not a clue just not a clue. Now I don't profess to be any world expert when it comes to investments and that kind of stuff. I'm not would never hold myself forth as that. I've got a long history from the time I was a teenager of tracking income and tracking expenses and knowing what the numbers were and staying on top of and ahead of those numbers. If you have a calculator and if you know basic math, you don't have to be an accountant. You don't have to know anything about accounting rules and regulations. You just have to be able to count. And if you can count, if you can operate a calculator, you can do that. I don't profess to be any smarter than that, but I'm that smart. I'm smart enough to know that if I get paid a hundred dollars, I don't want to give somebody five bucks for no reason at all. I would like to keep all hundred dollars. Now, given that hundred dollars, what am I going to be able to do with that? And if I know that, well, I made a hundred dollars, but you know what? I need $120 to pay everything that I owe. I've got a problem. And that problem for me is really basic. It's a $20 problem okay, well, something's going to go. What's going to go? I need to jettison at least $20. And in the way I look at life, I need to jettison about 25 bucks so I can get to 95. That gives me a $5 cushion. (laughs) I just, I don't know why this is so ridiculously difficult for people. I can tell you one big reason that I suspect is all the comparisons that we like to do. I'm at that age where my, my social media feed is just completely inundated with things to do with people that are my age, people so-called stereotypical retirement age. And man, when it comes to retiring, it's article after article, after article, after article about where do you stack up? Where do you stack up? Uh, here's, here's what most, here's where most people are. Where, how do you stack up like that matters? I mean, the last time that if, if I were to compare my finances to yours, I've never, ever one time experienced where that had any kind of an impact on my life. In fact, I'll go you one better. I don't know of a human being on the planet whose financial affairs have been impacted positively or negatively by comparing their situation to anybody else, much less everybody else in their demographic. So I saw some video the other day and a guy's talking about the average person at 65 and going through all those numbers. And that affects me. How, Uh I mean, I, 
I don't care. I mean, what does that do for me? What does that do against me? The average person at 65, the average percentage of people at 65 who don't have a mortgage. Well, if you are 65 or over and you have a mortgage, knowing whatever that percentage number is, I don't remember what it was, but how would that impact you and your mortgage? What does that do for you? Well, I can tell you what it does for you. Number one, if you're ahead of those people, well, you feel superior. Oh, look, well, look at that. Look at that, Martha. We don't have a mortgage. And yet this, this percentage of people, they do have a mortgage. So we're doing great. Well, you may not be doing great. You may not have a mortgage, but maybe you got a hundred thousand dollars in credit card debt. Well, it's way better to have a hundred thousand dollar mortgage than a hundred thousand dollars in credit card debt. If for no other reason, the interest rate difference alone. Uh-huh. I just, the whole comparison thing, especially at, at my age bracket is just, it's fascinating to me. And I've, I've just never seen anything like it. And I'm not that old in that I've lived a big chunk of my life with the internet and with seeing a bunch of online content. So I'm not that guy, but I don't remember at any stage of my life seeing seeing all the kind of content that's aimed at how do you stack up? And yet I started thinking about this for a few weeks and I started looking at it and I started, and yet that's what largely that's what is going on. There's, I mean, largely we are comparing, you see it in weight loss. You see it in all kinds of vanity things. You see it in weight loss and you see it in fitness and you see it in beauty. You see it in fashion. You see it, you see it even in the arts, you see it in music, you see it in TV shows, you see it in motion pictures in that, you know, here's, here's what everybody else thinks about it. And largely here's what we see. And I do it too. We all do it. When we go shopping, what are we looking for? People call it social proof. Persuasion experts call it social proof. It's what reviews are. So what do you do? You go on Amazon and you're looking for something. You know what you do. I do it too. We all do it. I don't care what it is. I don't care. I don't care if it's a cable for your phone. If it's a charging cable for your phone, what are you doing? Well, this one, they've only sold a hundred of that. And look, it's only, there's three stars. Are you going to, do you need to know any more about that cable than what I just told you before you're going to swipe? swipe up and go beyond that one. No, you're not giving that one a, you're not giving it a thought. Your only thought about that cable is, well, I can't believe a hundred idiots bought that thing. I mean, look at it. Only a hundred people bought it and it's only got three stars. No, you're looking for something that's got at least four and a half stars. (laughs) Are you like me? You look at something it's 4.2. Wait, come on. There's gotta be something that's higher than 4.2. I've got to have, I need more than 4.2 stars. I know nothing about these people. I know nothing about their circumstance. I know nothing about what kind of phone they got. I know nothing about what kind of little wall wart kind of a thing. I don't know anything about them. I don't know how they even use this thing. Is this, do they use it at home? Do they use it in the car? Do they use it both? Do they carry it in their backpack? Does it just stay stationary? I don't know any, I know nothing. I just know 4.2. That ain't enough. I mean, come on. I got to get at least to a 4.7. I'm not looking at a cable until I got to 4.7. <laughs> so we start comparing. 
we're comparing these products. I bought, I bought, I bought some outdoor chairs, some outdoor rocking chairs. And I remember I'm telling Ron, I'm, I'm bragging on these things because there's a, there's quite a few sales and they're made out of that poly wood kind of thing. It's, it's plastic, but it looks like wood feels like wood, but it won't rot, won't mildew. You don't have to paint it. I mean, it's, it's really good stuff. We had a deck made out of that stuff at the old house and it just lasts and lasts and lasts and lasts. And I'm bragging, I'm bragging to Rhonda that this thing's got, I forgot how many hundreds of sales and it's 4.9. I mean, it's, it's just, just, you know, there's always going to be that one idiot that they gave it a one star because my order came and it was short two screws. Now the company was great. I got a hold of them and they sent me the other two screws, but you know, it's like, okay, one star. Really? I mean, you're going to ding them four whole stars because two screws were missing and they got the minute they knew that they got those to you right away. See, I'm thinking, well, that's five star just because the way they responded to the problem. I mean, they recovered pretty well. So really you're not even. You're not even going to give them any credit for the recovery. No, because you know, it wasn't hundred percent perfect the first time. I don't know what they're, there's always that one though. And that one brings the whole thing. You know, it's, it's, it's like it was in school, right? All we need is that one brainiac to just completely kill the curve for all the rest of us. Except in this regard, we got the one flunky, you know, who's just going to kill the curve for the, for all the rest of us who are shopping this thing and think, wait wait, it doesn't have five. It's only 4.9. Yeah. I'm that, I'm that idiot. Do you do that? Do you read <laughs> when you go look at the little graph, you know, they show a little bar graph over at Amazon, like 5,000 five-star review, you know, four, one. Do you go look at those four? <laughs> yeah, I do. Okay. I may not look at all four, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I, I can promise you I'm going to read at least one. <laughs> yeah, I am. I, I'm, being honest, I'm that guy, 4.9. I'm bragging to Rhonda about it. Never seen these before, never done business with this company before. I don't know, but they got 4.9. I mean, come on, they got to be good, don't they? I don't know. You know, or is everybody that bought this thing? I mean, maybe they're all, you know, they're all, it, it's five foot tall petite women that don't weigh a hundred pounds. You know, well, is that chair going to feel the same to me as it does to them? I don't, you know, I don't know any of that. We have zero context. The only context we have is, okay, yeah, they got that verified buyer thing. Isn't that worrisome that you have to have that? Verified buyer. Like, okay, well, this could be a fake one. I'm like, we don't believe there are fake reviews all over Amazon. I'm sure they're doing their dead level best to try to stay. How are you going to stay ahead of that? I mean, come on, we, our government with all the resources that we've got, we can't keep hackers out and we, we think Amazon, oh, they're great and they're wonderful. They are great and wonderful. But if you think that they're going to be able to protect us against, there's going to be zero fake reviews. Good luck. Good luck. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, the rocking, they've at least got dimensions and stuff. I sort of say, you know, I could get these all they there's these little bitty kids kind of rockers, but 
thankfully we've got photographs and we got dimensions and we got weight and we, we do have some things that we can like, listen, my point is all the comparisons though. We are comparing products from the most minuscule products to high end products. We're comparing them against other products and we're specifically comparing these reviews We're we're what is what's happening with other people. It's all about other people. Well, how does everybody else see this thing? How does everybody else rate this thing? How does everybody else view this thing? And so now you get to this retirement stuff that I'm being blitzed with of how do you stack up? Where, where are you in the midst of all this on that bar, that bar graph where we've got these five stars, you know, well, what if you're just a one star, man, what's wrong with you? And it's not funny, but it kind of is funny. And I do chuckle at it because you've got people that are getting to that point of collecting social security. They're getting to full retirement age. They call it FRA, by the way, I love all the abbreviations and acronyms and stuff. So full retirement age. Well, do you imagine that a person at full retirement age who realizes, okay, this is what a five-star is. You're just a, you're not even a star. You're a half a star. And what's that poor person supposed to do about it now? I mean, it's like, here's, I see videos on time online all the time. You should have, well, we're talking about how old a person is. If a person is 65, 66, 67, 68, if they're 70 years old, which is the age where you can just max out whatever you could get on. Well, what you should have done when you were 40, you should have, that's helpful. How that helps me. How, well, we just, we want you to sit back, lean back in that easy boy, pull that handle over on your right hand side, prop those feet up and now just feel an overwhelming sense of regret over your dumb decisions. The last 30 years of the thing that you should have done. And we're going to, I'm let us remind you how stupid you have been for 30 years. Cause that's going to make you at 70. You're going to feel a whole lot better after I spend 10 minutes telling you how big of an idiot you are. There's a bunch of videos like that. You, you don't believe me, then you're not in my demographic. <laughs> I'm sitting here looking at this couple and this meme. I, yeah, I got to share this picture with you over at the website. You know, I work part-time as at a daycare. My husband breeds salamanders. You know, our budget for a new house, $1.3 million. <laughs> and we watch those shows. It's been proven. I've actually, I've read some stuff about H and I listen, I love HGTV, but I don't love it as much because I started doing some reading and what these shows do by and large is they breed enormous discontentment because people watch these shows and they see these houses and they're like, Oh, Oh, look at that, man. I would, wouldn't you love that? And then they sit back, the show ends and they look around their house and they're just filled with tremendous discontentment. And all of a sudden the things that they may have once loved about this house. I hate this house. This house sucks. 
There's a reason Home Depot and Lowe's have the footprint that they do. You know that, don't you? Okay, it can be argued, well, there's a whole bunch of contract. Yeah, there are. There's a bunch of contract. But they aren't that big for contractors. They're that big because we're all watching these shows and we're like, you know, I hate this. You know what else I hate? I hate this other thing. How many things can we make? Let's, let's sit down right now and let's make a list of all the things we hate about this house and the things that we would like to change. And I'm going to go down to the home Depot and we're just going to start knocking this list out. And it's a never ending game because there's always another episode. There's another episode tomorrow night. We're going to watch that. We're going to, well, look at, look at there. They have got, look at that. Those are gorgeous granite countertops and look how thick that slab is. Man, our granite's not anywhere near that thick. What are we doing? I mean, come on, Martha. We're so far behind the curve here. We have got to get our act together. We need bigger slabs of granite. That's what we need. Oh, soft clothes. Look at that soft clothes. Do- oh, it's, we don't have soft clothes. Yeah, we slam ours and you can hear it. Now nah, we got to fix that. We got to get on that. Oh man. We got to get on that. And we do it with everything, cars, clothing, our entertainment, everything. We do it with everything as, and, and, and we let it affect us. It doesn't affect us except we give it permission to affect us. So whatever the national average of Americans that are 65 and older and what percentage of them have a mortgage, what percentage of them don't have a mortgage in no way affects me And whatever mortgage I may or may not have, I don't have a mortgage, but if I did, and even if I don't, how does that affect me? How does that impact me? How does that alter my financial situation in the least? Okay. So I know this is how I stack up against the average. And again, I ask the question and what does that do for me? Nothing. What does that do against me? Well, it could do everything if I let it because it just starts working on me. Now I start, I start thinking about this. Okay. Well, if it compels me to shift my thinking and be more responsible, be more accountable, be a more wise steward of the things that I've got, then okay, great. But normally that's not what happens. Normally what happens is enormous discontentment. It's, I'm just fascinated by how many articles I see. Somebody writes in to some certified financial planner, some CFP. My husband and I are 50 years old. We have only been managing to save $3.2 million. And we wonder, are we going to be able to retire? And I read the headline. I used to click on it because I just found them kind of funny. They're not funny to me anymore. They're just disgusting now. And I'm thinking, I, I think what I've always thought. You and your husband were smart enough, assuming that the writer is, tr- is right. And, I, I, and that's where it really, for me, begins. This is how my cynicism works. I don't believe them. I think they're liars. I think they're completely fabricated because who's vetting this? How do we know the person writing it that they've got? Well, you don't, you don't know that. 
And if you read the headlines, then you would assume, again, it's comparison. You would assume, man, I'd look at Rhonda and be like, you know, every, everybody's, everybody's got a million to $3 million. What in the Sam Hill are we doing? We, we are, we are woefully behind. (laughs) Well, number one, I don't believe it. And the reason I don't believe it is there are some statistics out there that you can find. And guess what? The number of people who have that kind of money are rare. Yes, they are. They're rare. Well, okay. They're all writing into these people who have columns. Okay, great. Wonderful. But I look at it and I think, okay, this man and this woman were able by the age of 55 to have $3.2 million, but they're too stupid to figure out if they can retire on that or not. How does, I don't get, how does that work? I don't understand that. Here's what it's like for me. You know, these rags to riches stories. I just, I just love them. I just love them. I mean, they're completely bogus, but I still love them. Come on. I, I like, I like a good novel. So fiction and all that. I grew up in this situation and, you know, and it's just deplorable. You know, I didn't, I, I didn't have a pair of shoes until I was 13 years old. And then by the time I was 17, I was out of the house and I was living in a car. I lived in the backseat of a car. And by the time I was 24, I had, I had become a millionaire many times over. And you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What? And it's like, they just had this epiphany, you know, I mean, they went from barely having enough life skills to be able to feed themselves. And all of a sudden they're just, they're a self-made person. They're independently wealthy and no thanks to anybody or any circumstance. Just, they just figured it out. They just suddenly had an overwhelming wave of, of intellect and know-how and life skills and street smarts to be wildly successful. They cracked the code. They found the secret. They discovered the formula. And I, I read these stories and I'm like, I'm just, I just shake my head and I'm like, you know, I can tell you what you've got. I can tell you one thing that you've got. You've got a vivid imagination. That's what you've got. I don't know that you've got, People aren't, well, I started to say people aren't sharing their numbers. Some people are sharing their numbers. I don't know. I don't know. I'm old school. I was brought up, you know, you just don't, for what purpose, for what purpose are you sharing the numbers? The only reason you'd share your numbers is either to brag or to bemoan. Why else would you do it? I'm going to share my numbers so that you'll feel sorry for me. And maybe you'll send me a dollar or two. Well, that'd be great. That'd be great send me, you can PayPal me. There's all kinds of ways that you can support me. Just go to the website, leaning toward wisdom. There's, there's a, I think there's an entire page if you want to support me. So I could do it for that reason, or I could do it because, well, I want to puff my chest out and stick my head up a little higher than yours and make you feel bad about yourself because I'm so much better than you. I mean, look at me. I'm, I'm making a whole lot more money than you are. I clearly must be better than you. Certainly brighter than you. Well, we knew that all along. <laughs> Where are we? Where do we want to go? And how are we going to get there? I don't know how you address those, but I'm going to encourage you. If you haven't addressed those, start addressing those and 
they naturally have to be in that order for me, just sharing my insights, just sharing my experience, what I believe is a degree of wisdom for me, it starts with where am I, what are my resources? What are my resources? You know, I grew up hearing that and I don't drink and I never have drank, but I, I grew up hearing champagne taste on a beer budget translation. You want more than you can afford. Now today that would morph into, we feel like we need more than we can afford. So for me, it begins with affordability and affordability is simply defined as what have I got? What have I got? What, what, what can I count on? What have I got coming in? What's my income? And I've defined before as cash flowing life, not making minimum monthly payments. For me, cash flowing life is making a, a, a dollar amount in a month and not spending more than that dollar amount every month. Don't spend more than you make. Pretty simple. I'm not saying it's always fun. I can absolutely tell you it's always rewarding. It is always for me and for my wife, it's always much better alternative than we don't know how we're going to, how are we going to pay for that? I don't know about you, but that is not a good feeling. Sure. We've been there. I think most all of us, well, not all of us, but most of us have been there trying to figure out how you're going to pay for something. And it's why everybody with a brain in their head that gives financial advice tells us have a rainy day fund, set some money aside to cover some disaster, some emergency. You need an emergency fund. I don't know what that number is today. Do you, is it three months, six months a year? I mean, whatever it is, it is. I would just tell you, Make it, make it as big a runway as you can make it so that if something does happen, you don't just fall through the cracks. So for me, that's that step one. It's not focused on, okay, well, here's what our expenses are. No, it's what is our income now? What are our expenses? And if our expenses exceed our income, then we need to cut expenses. I, I think there's a third alternative. You know, I said this was kind of a binary thing and it is, except there is a third alternative. There is, you can make more money or you can cut expenses. That third alternative is the one that I kind of like. And that is, well, what if you do both? What if you were to increase your income a little bit? And what if you were to decrease your expenses a little bit? Well, that's a win-win. I mean, why not go for that? That's what I would do. I'm not saying that you should do it. Do what you want. It's your life and it's your money. And what I do with mine doesn't affect you in the least. And isn't that great? Isn't that great? It'd be wonderful now if we could look at all the rich folks, that one, those one percenters, you know, it'd be great if, if what they did had a positive impact on us. I mean, wouldn't that be wonderful? I mean, it'd be great if all of a sudden, you know, I was reading the other day, how much, how much money in the last year, like Warren Buffett and some of these guys, I mean, the, the increase in their wealth is just staggering. But to be fair, their wealth to begin with was staggering. But wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if, you know, if Warren Buffett's net worth increased by however many billions of dollars over the last 12 months and, hey, that affects me because I get a piece of that. I don't get a piece of that. 
it doesn't mean one thing to me. It's interesting reading, but like I care, doesn't do one thing for me. Then as far as the, where do you want to go? That's not just a financial thing, but we're having this financial conversation. It's a whole lot more than that. And I guess it really gets down to what do you want to do with your money? And so many people, they start with things beyond kind of living things. They don't, they don't tend to start with, okay, the mortgage payment or the rent payment, the insurance payment, uh, food, gas for the car, insurance for the car, uh, things that tend to be more vital for us to even work and live our lives. No, we want to immediately go to, well, I can tell you where I want to go. I want to go on a cruise. That's where I want to go. I want to spend about 10 days on a boat in some exotic location. Okay. Well, you could do that. You could absolutely do that. I remember being a little kid and going to the shopping, going to the grocery store and you'd, you'd see somebody that just looked like they were absolutely on their last legs and they'd be buying cartons of cigarettes, six packs of beer. And even as a little kid, yeah, I, of course I, I was judging. I was looking at that and thinking, ah, man, they, you know, I mean, they, it doesn't look to me like that's really what they ought to be buying. It's not my money. They can buy what they want, but cartons of cigarettes and six packs of beer have kind of given way to, you know, some exotic vacation or some higher end automobile than what a person can afford. But I've always, listen, I've always been kind of intrigued at the people that have to buy a brand new car every other year. It's, it's really amazing to me that I know, a, I know quite a few people and I'm not talking about leasing now where they turn a car in and they just, they know, Hey, I'm just, I'm going to pay $800 a month, which that sounds like a ridiculous number to me. I mean, I'm just going to pay $800 a month for the rest of my life until I don't want to anymore. And I'm going to drive what I want to drive. Cool. I respect it. You, you, you can afford it and you've set aside $800 a month to drive whatever you want. Yeah. Get a brand new car every year. You know, it's on a lease deal. Now I'm talking about people that go though, and they buy a car and they finance a car. They put it on a 72 month note and about every other year they're, they're trading. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know how you, I don't know how you stay right side up on that. maybe they know something about math. I don't know. I just, but again, for me, a car is not that important. So as we get back to all this comparison, comparison stuff, what difference does it make? What I think I'm not paying for it and I'm not driving it. So it doesn't affect me in the least. I don't care. I don't get a vote and they don't get a vote. Your wallet's your wallet. So where do you want to go? And I think the why question is probably worthwhile to ask right there. You know, why is that where we want to go? And I happen to know firsthand because I've asked the question when people have asked me about some of these things. And it's surprising to me an awful lot of people, they, they can't really give an answer. The most frequent answer I think that I hear, I haven't tracked this, but anecdotally, it just seems to me the most frequent answer I get is, you know, I just do. 
I just do. And I get that. I completely get that. I've talked before about the flavors of milkshakes. So I'm going to offer you a chocolate, vanilla, or strawberry. Which one are you going to pick? And if you pick one and you will, then my next question is, okay, why that one? And you're probably going to say, cause I just, I like strawberry. I like strawberry more than I like the other two. And then I could keep probing. I could say, oh, well, why? I, I don't know. I just do. I like the taste of it. I like the taste. I'm going to pick vanilla. And you're going to ask, well, really? You don't like strawberry? No, I like strawberry. Well, you don't like chocolate? No, I like chocolate. But you don't like them more than vanilla? Eh, sometimes. <laughs> but right now you're asking me, what do I want? I'm going to probably tell you vanilla. And that's true, by the way. I'm probably going to tell you vanilla. Because that's probably going to be my preference. Have I ever had a chocolate shake? Of course. Have I ever had a strawberry shake? I have. It's probably disappointed. <laughs> I was probably disappointed, but I've had, I don't know. Right. We like what we like. And so most frequently that seems to me to be the answer that people give me. Cause we just, we want what we want. That's where it probably helps to just hit the pause button and say, okay, let's, let's think about this for a minute. I know that we just like what we like, but how much do we like it? Maybe that's the question. Do we like it enough to spend money that we don't have? I don't, there's nothing I like that much. Sorry. I just don't, I don't like anything enough to spend more than I have. Now you may, and I would encourage, I would encourage you to real seriously rethink that. And the reason I know that is because of all the debt that people have. And I completely understand that our government, they are leading the way. They are showing us how to play this game, this debt game. They're masters at it. Well, just borrow more. Come on. That's, that's the answer. Make more money. <laughs> don't fool with that. You don't need to work more. Save. <laughs> Who needs to save money? Don't save money. Borrow more. It'll be fine. Come on in. The water's great. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And you know, like lemmings, we just over the, over the cliff we go over the cliff. We go, I'd like to work part-time at a, you know what? No, I'd like to breed salamanders. I just wish I had a budget of 1.3 million. But I don't. And you don't either, probably. And if you do, then <clears throat> let me tell you how pathetic I am. I'm trying to raise some money. I want to get a GoPro 11. It's a $400 camera. Yeah, I'm going to have to have the little media thing because I want an outboard microphone. That's like 80 bucks. So, yeah, I'm trying to raise some money here. So, Help a buddy out. You got $1.3 million. Listen, I'm not even asking for the point three. I'm not even not. I need four or 500 bucks. No. And I, you don't have to give it all to me. Just help knock down some of it. <laughs> I, 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 I sometimes wonder about you. I do. I honestly do. I, I sometimes wonder I mean, how lucrative 
how lucrative a life are you living, really? I don't know. Don't write me. I don't need to know. It's, it's tongue-in-cheek, kids. I'm kidding here. But it makes you wonder, doesn't it? We're intrigued by how other people live and how they spend their money and what kind of lifestyle they have. And It's funny how these things matter to us, isn't it? We go to somebody's house or we get invited over and we go in and we go, oh, and then we get back in the car and we're like, oh, those poor people. Those poor, poor people. <laughs> and then we go other places and we're like, man, you know what? We're the poor people. Man, did you see that? Did you see that dining room? I mean, did you see the media? Me- they've got a media room. You know, and you get back in your little Honda and you're like, we are so poor. <laughs> Discontentment is just not a good thing. It's not a virtue. It's not a virtue. No, the, the road forward is gratitude. And all kidding aside, that's the road forward. For us to be grateful for where we are and what we've got, however small, however massive, because we're all blessed. We're all blessed. The website is leaningtowardwisdom.com. Modern Tales of an Ancient Pursuit. It's Leaning Toward Wisdom, the podcast. My name is Randy Cantrell. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. <laughs>